0: Welcome back to Muscle Fitness Health, the ads fitness podcast, episode number three. Firstly, although I've only done two episodes so far, I've been getting some awesome feedback, um, some great topic suggestions, and it's great to see that you guys are valuing the show going to ask you a massive favour if you've enjoyed the episode so far please please can you leave me a review on iTunes and of course uh, ratings and sharing the show to others you know who may find the content useful as well. Now on this episode I'm covering a few of the well what what sort of spread up mainly over I guess the last sort of ten 20 years number of different types of dieting whether it's um if it fits your macros approaches intermittent fasting uh, paleo etc um, anything that we like to give a name to <laughs> um, and I'm going to touch on some of those uh, from two perspectives the physique progress perspective and of course a health perspective as well and I'm gonna give you the answer as to what may be the best approach for you or certainly the info that you would need to help assess that anyway so let's crack on firstly if it fits your macros now one of the things that I want to mention first and this kind of relates to all of these um, different types of dieting is that there's a difference here between what works and and again, this can be physique progress based, can be health based, what works and what's optimal. So in today's day and age, we don't have to just hear about these different methods from people we know, people in the gym or the monthly magazine, you know, with the internet, we can, we're can bombarded with information. And we'll see whether it's people we know, people that we may follow on Instagram, we'll see all these different types of approaches and the arguments, of course, if it's worked for someone and someone follows that approach, the arguments as to why that is the best approach. The thing is, the key is understanding the difference between what's optimal for physique progress, but then also what you can implement easily into your life. So if it fits your macros, um, is one, for example, that... It's ground my gears a little so to speak over a number of years mainly because of the fact that people who sort of often often people who promote that method will promote it in the sense of it's all that matters is it all that matters i.e if we get in our if we just have our daily macros and we're meeting those each day should we go to any extra effort to sort of understand where those macros come from, you know, where the carbohydrate sources come from, where our fats come from, the timing of our carbohydrates, proteins, etc. Does any of that matter? Simple answer is yes. Now, if it fits your macros is an approach that, of course, for some people can make it much, much easier to adhere to their diet. And if you're able to adhere to the diet and the foundations are in place and when i say the foundations i actually mean the macros i.e. that's the fundamental aspect of a diet to suit physique progress the macros needs to be in place for you to progress however if you're looking for optimal i.e. what's going to give you the best results then suddenly the timing and the type of of food sources become more important and of course when we touch on health in a moment That becomes even more so as well so firstly if it fits your macros what do we mean by this we basically set up a diet and you would say you're eating x amount of protein a day x amount of carbohydrates x amount of fats no regard for the timing of those foods you could have them in six meals two meals three meals any time of day that you like and no regard for the sources of those macronutrients as well so let's touch on let's take this to an extreme now if you're getting all of your carbohydrate source with some fiber still there admittedly you know so you're having some veg etc but if you're getting all of those carbohydrates from dextrose say like simple sugar if the numbers are exactly the same is that going to give you any difference in results over Eating the right kinds of carbohydrates, the right amounts at different meals. When I say right, of course, I'm, right's an opinion. You know, it's down to the coach or the nutritionist to set that up. But does it matter? Well, go away, and, I, and you know, let's just say you're supposed to consume 200 grams of carbohydrates a day. You know, this is this is not a show about how to kind of set up a diet that's right for you. We're all different. We all have different levels that work. But if you're consuming those 200 grams of carbohydrates from dextrose and you're doing it all in one meal, and let's just say as well, continuing the extreme example, that meal is not even close to a training window, are you going to see any difference at all in your results compared to a a diet with the same amount of carbohydrates, but it's spread out into two or more meals with consideration for the type of carbohydrate, as in, you know, the GI index, the digestion speed, or with regards to the timing, you know, so positioning those meals around training, for example. The answer is it's going to make a huge difference. Now, if you're, when you train, something happens inside the the muscle cells, um, which um, is basically the activation of a molecule called GLUT4. Now, that molecule, increases the insulin sensitivity in the muscle cell it basically opens up the cell and says hey feed me so the chances are in that state you know during training post training that post workout window now i'm not saying there's a an hour and you have to get your food in or you're not going to get any gains or um, and then it you know after that hour it suddenly shuts off it's completely different it's not like a fixed hour but the fact is, after training, that insulin sensitivity in muscle tissue is at its highest. If, and it gradually tapers down in the hours that follow. So therefore, if we're consuming a large carbohydrate meal following a workout with that increased insulin sensitivity, then there's a greater chance of those carbohydrates and glucose being utilised as glycogen in muscle replenishment, as opposed to storage as body fat. So, when we're actually talking about nutrient partitioning, we can consume these foods. Now, carbohydrates will either be stored as muscle glycogen or in the liver or converted into fats or, sorry, burnt for energy. Now, when we've got enough glucose in the blood to supply the energy demands, the storage will begin. So, if we're able to manipulate things so that more of those carbohydrates are going to be stored. Or taken in as muscle glycogen, restocking you know, depleted glycogen levels in the muscle, which happens when you train, then you're going to have more of those directed towards that as opposed to body fat. So we can look at macros and meeting daily macros and then think, but hang on a minute. If the calories are the same, then calories in equals calories out. First law of thermodynamics, exactly true. And the weight would stay the same if that's the case. We often forget how much we can actually manipulate the effects that the body will have on calories out. Okay, So the timing for for one of where we actually uh, bring in these calories and of course the amount of calories can actually affect how much the body is going to burn, i.e. we can manipulate our metabolism. And you know, for some science on this, just look at the extreme of the starvation response. If we're really depleting calories, the metabolism will gradually drop. Now, we can also manipulate that to our own advantage. So, the simple fact is, if your macros are in place, that is the fundamental, we can use that then to assess the calorie level. And if we want to into a a surplus we will gain weight and if we go into a deficit we will lose weight. Weight though is just a number on the scale. Weight comes from lean tissue, body fat, water etc. Now if we want to be maximising that weight loss or gain from muscle tissue or body fat, i.e., if we want to gain as much weight from muscle tissue and lose as much weight from body fat, but maximizing what we retain as muscle tissue in the process, then the timing and the uh, breakup, makeup, sorry, of those calories becomes more important. So I do agree that the fundamental is to actually have your macros in place. But from what I've just touched on, of course, with that insulin sensitivity, having those macros then broken down in a structured way where they're actually going to maximise muscle mass, maximise fat loss whilst maintaining muscle, you're going to see better results over that long period of time. And that's what's optimal. That does not mean that people can't follow and if it fits your macros approach, and still get great results, you can, because if your macros are on point, that's the most fundamental thing. But if that person who succeeded on that approach, then went and actually wanted to take things even further, then that's when they'll need to look at the timing of the foods, and the type of carbohydrates as well, and the amount of protein in meals, you know, I'll do another episode at some point on meal frequency. So That's uh, covering like if it fits your macros. We can then, the, the principles I've just talked about, actually apply to just about any kind of diet. They all work. If your calories are in place, and it's easy, and the macros are set up correctly, and it's easy for you to kind of maintain and follow and adhere to, then that overrides, you know, the kind of intricate details of timing, because there's no point getting all the time in everything spot on what's op- with what's optimal for your physique progress if you're not actually going to follow it. So you can get great results from something like if it fits your macros. If you follow a paleo approach, you can get great results. And in fact, you know, a paleo approach simply means that you're following foods pretty much that, that are basically natural, organic grown foods, as in not processed foods. Now, for a health perspective, that's bloody brilliant. Um, and of course, if you're then, you could use a paleo approach in, and if it fits your macros, set up diet. You could use it in an intermittent fasting approach. You know, so paleo just refers more to the types of foods. If you see someone who's got great results from paleo, brilliant. The, the key though is like, is where those macros have come from. Not so much the choice of carbohydrates, because when you're talking paleo, you're not talking all these simple, fast-digesting sugars. But the key to those results is not the facts necessarily that they're following a paleo diet. The key is that 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 paleo diet has been set up in a way that has worked for them, i.e. the timing of the macros, the amount of carbohydrates, proteins and fats whether that's paleo, whether it's come from, you know, some processed foods is going to be kind of irrelevant to the results. However, of course, from a health perspective, just going back to if it fits your macros as well, and what I mentioned on dextrose, if you're overloading the body with a lot of simple sugars as carbohydrates, it's not going to be the best thing for your health. Okay. So the other things considered with paleo, fructose, I'm sure I'll touch on this in another episode as well. Fructose is a type of sugar that can't be converted into glycogen. It's the sugar that we get from fruit, great to provide us energy, but it can't then be used, say, in the carbohydrates in a post-workout meal where you're looking to replenish glycogen stores because fructose will either need to be burnt off for energy or will be stored as body fat. It cannot be stored as glycogen and used as glycogen re- replenishment the way that car- um, starchy carbohydrate sources can. What about intermittent fasting? You know, this very common one. And to be honest, there's a lot of merit to people following an intermittent fasting approach, but not when it comes to physique progress, unless it just simply works better for you and is easier for you to adhere to. Let's go back to what I've just been talking about with if it fits your macros. Exactly the same principles apply if you're following an intermittent fasting approach. Firstly, the one thing that I would be very concerned at is training fasted. If you're training with anywhere close to the intensity that someone like myself would train at, then you'll probably keel over in the gym because you've not eaten for eight hours, let alone setting up your body um, to to just break down tissue and not having the building blocks there to repair. So that's the first thing that I would would consider. And that training session, without that energy available beforehand, if your glycogen levels are very low, your blood sugar's low, then the training session is going to be impaired. That's going to reduce your chances of building muscle. So that's the first thing to consider there. The second is the fact that you're going to be having these huge meals in, in a very small window. Let's go back to what I just touched on with the nutrient partitioning. If you're consuming more than the body wants to actually utilise at that time, or can store i.e let's just say you've not trained but you're having all of your say daily let's use 200 grams of carbohydrates to get in one meal well you you haven't if you've not got the need for that to be burnt as energy or to be replenishing glycogen at that time then you're going to see more of those carbohydrates stored as body fat so even though the calories may be on point and you may see the scales going the right way are they going the right way because of body fat or because of muscle tissue and that's where the optimal side of things comes in. So with, uh, sorry, with intermittent fasting, the, the one thing where it does have merit, of course, is the health benefits. Yes, there are health benefits to having a fast because what you actually do is help, and this will definitely be touched on in another episode, you help that insulin sensitivity by letting the, the cells have a break from this like constant spikes in insulin throughout the day that you may give it otherwise then that insulin sensitivity in muscle tissue is going to increase so therefore you're increasing the likelihood that you're not going to have as much sort of triglycerides floating around in the bloodstream to be stored as body fat Um, however if you're consuming these huge amounts of carbohydrates in a short space of time then you're going to have a window where the triglycerides are going to be much higher than they would be at other times as well. The other thing to consider of course from the health point of view is the break for the digestive system, which again, absolute merit to, but the main one is just simply giving the body that break from spikes of insulin um, that you may otherwise have. And that's where there is merit to that. However, another thing to consider there is why are you having those spikes of insulin in the first place? Now. If I've been working with a client, the times where I'm going to want them to have like a large carbohydrate meal and and have insulin, um, a lot of insulin release to shuttle those nutrients into the cells, it's going to be around the training window. Pre-training, they're going to burn off those carbohydrates intra-workout that insulin can start shuttling their intra-workout nutrition into the muscle cells starting that repair and recovery process during training and of course post-workout when that insulin sensitivity is increased so we're actually using that to our advantage there when we sleep we give that digestive system a break anyway you know we're we're talking about a good eight hours of a fast when we sleep so effectively most of us do fast every day But as I touched on, if you're looking at physique progress, it's far from optimal because you're likely to impair your training session and you're not actually giving the frequent feeding to make sure that most of those nutrients, particularly the carbohydrates, are going to be used for glycogen replenishment, burnt off in a steady stream of energy throughout the day, but then also the protein aspects with regards to building we know that protein synthesis tends to die off or starts being you know, reduced following uh, a meal t- t- after, say, two and a half to three hours. If we then get, have another dose of leucine, the amino acids and BCAA, the branch chain amino acids, the central building blocks, if you like, of proteins, another dose of those will spark that protein synthesis again. So that's something that you're losing out on if you're following an intermittent fasting approach. Now, the other health benefit, of course, is the break to the digestive system. So if I have clients who want to do a fast occasionally, I absolutely let them. Because if you're fasting one day a week or one or two days over the course of two weeks, that's not going to have a massive impact on your physique progress. Just simply, you know, you're not going to lose all your muscle because you fast for 10 hours. Yeah, It's the same thing principle that applies to when we're ill. You may, if you're ill and you've been off training, appetite's been down for a week, you may at the end of that week look in the mirror and feel like you've lost your muscle. The fibres are still there. Notes that when you go back to the gym the following week, you pick your food up again, food volume up again. It looks like so you've got all that muscle back after one to two days. You didn't lose it in the first place. The fibres were still there, but you just did not have the stimulus for that glycogen uptake that the trainer has given. So, Another thing to, to help though with the health aspects and the breaks the digestive system without having to go to a fasting approach is the what I tend to do with clients on rest days where they will often have way less carbohydrates if any at all and a lot more fat in the diet and that actually doing that for a day or two on their rest days will also do the same job of replenishing insulin sensitivity and as you will see In later episodes, insulin sensitivity is very very key to health and avoiding diseases such as diabetes. Okay, so guys, take home from this is many of these approaches given a name for marketing. Many people do want to come across something new that they can somehow portray as being better. Um, or shortcuts making it easier so you can eat whatever the hell you want and still get the results you want and it's largely done in a way that they found easy to adhere to but then of course can be marketed in a way that create by giving it a name and everything else that therefore sees a lot of people follow it but ultimately you need to ask yourself what matters most to me what can i follow if I, do I want what's optimal my, for my physique progress? Do I want what's just easy? Do I want to open the door to allow myself to have things that may not help for my physique progress in an optimal sense, but will, of course, still allow me to progress? The fact is, nutrient timing is important. The absolute foundation of whether you're going to see weight gain or loss is down to the calories. Where those calories come from, whether it's in a, whatever the approach is, but where those calories come from, i.e. how much protein, fat, carbohydrates, those building blocks are the keys. And then if you want to go for what's optimal to your physique progress, then the type and timing of the foods becomes more important. So it's not to say any of these approaches don't work and that's why you see people getting great results from them because they would all work if those fundamentals were in place. But it does not mean that they are absolutely optimal for progress. The key again is to understand this and to find the best approach for you. Thank you everyone and until next time, goodbye.